Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. The Adam Shine Podcast. Ah, oh, yes, episode 37 of the Adam Shine Podcast, and we are fired up to be with you once again. The featured guest on the pod this week, Scott Hansen, your touchdown tour guide. Just on episode number 200 of the Red Zone. You know we talk about it all the time on the podcast. I'm obsessed with the Red Zone, and I'm obsessed with Scott Hansen, so we will talk to him about what makes the Red Zone such an unbelievable success. Bob Stew is with us, our outstanding producer, and we will give you our great picks against the spread for Week 14 in the NFL. We were both on fire last week. We'll give you our fantasy plays as we move along. You know what? My back hurts because I just jumped through a table. The Buffalo Bills are 9-3, and three, and my guy Josh Allen, superstar, repeat after me, Josh Allen is a superstar, a franchise quarterback, and I feel bad for the haters. <laughs> remember, remember the haters, the media elite, the Twitter tough guys, the, those who tried to tell us that Josh Allen wasn't a franchise quarterback or the Bills drafted him too high. Actually, he went lower than I expected in the draft in 2018. If you remember on Shine on Sports on Mad Dog Sports Radio, We talked about him being the number one pick of the Cleveland Browns in that draft. Josh Allen, incredible. And the improvement from year one to year two, year two to year three. He's top five for NFL MVP. Those heat-seeking missiles that were on target were just breathtaking on Monday night. And doing it against a brilliantly coached Robert Sala defense, a defense that the week before just befuddled and turned over Jared Goff. I mean, this is next-level genius. Josh Allen is a sensational player. And the Buffalo Bills, we said before the season started, are going to win the division by multiple games. And they're going to win a home playoff game. And we're going to jump through a table. And I'm telling you right now, they're beating the Pittsburgh Steelers on Sunday night. And this is a game that we had circled, Buffalo beating Pittsburgh, and we said it was going to happen. You saw that Pittsburgh lost against Washington. Listen, Pittsburgh was undefeated, but they were hardly perfect all season long. And Buffalo, to me, is a better team than Pittsburgh. And we've been saying that for a while now. And Kansas City is going to win the Super Bowl, and Pittsburgh never took them seriously as a threat to win a championship this year. Buffalo is an absolute gem of a team, gem of an organization. Sean McDermott, his stamp is all over that that squad. The defense was remarkable against the well-coached Kyle Shanahan-led 49ers. You know, the, the Steelers can't run a lick. And, you know, if Ben is throwing it 50 times in that game, Trey White and company are going to do some serious, serious damage. Brian Dayball is getting my vote for... The assistant coach of the year, the play caller for Buffalo, has been sensational. He should get a head coaching job during the coaching carousel season this January. He'd be great for any team that wants a brilliant offensive mind. And this is what an organization does. You surround your young franchise quarterback who's developing great coach and great players. A couple off seasons ago, it was signing John Brown and Cole Beasley. You saw Beasley with nine catches, over 100 yards, a touchdown, the Rock the Baby celebration. You know, they drafted Gabe Davis, who Josh Allen loves, who is a workman do-it-all kind of receiver. And, of course, they made the Stephon Diggs deal. And that was everything. A legit WR1, a true number one receiver, to take your quarterback, your budding star, to new heights. You look at some of these teams, they don't surround their young quarterbacks with enough, and, you know, they just leave them out to die. Look at Sam Darnold and and the Jets, as an example. I love the Bills. The Bills are going to beat Pittsburgh. The Bills are more of a factor in the AFC postseason than the Pittsburgh Steelers. Josh Allen, sorry, haters, repeat after me, 
franchise superstar quarterback. We're jumping through a table. Scott Hansen, your touchdown tour guide, is going to join us next on the Adam Shine Podcast. Hey, everyone. This is former NFL linebacker and current SiriusXM NFL radio host, Kirk Morrison. And I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, Total Coverage. Each week, I'll be joined by some of the greatest minds in the game as we explore the hows and the whys behind the week's biggest results. Whether we're breaking down player techniques, game plans, or coaching philosophies, we'll explain the details that define our favorite performances. New episodes will be available every Tuesday on the SiriusXM app, Pandora, and Apple Podcasts. The featured guest this week on the Adam Shine Podcast. You know him, you love him. We can't live without him. My guy, the host of the Red Zone, the great Scott Hansen. Scott, it is so good to catch up with you again, my friend. How are you? Adam Shine, always good to hear your voice. On an all-fired football week, let's call it. <laughs> I love you, it. I love listen, anytime you say all fired up at a football Monday, football Friday, see that's that's the kind of love and respect from my guy Scott Hansen. And listen, <laughs> you know how much and I say we, I mean my kids are obsessed with you in the red zone. I I'm obsessed with the red zone. And how about this? The NFL Red Zone celebrated episode number two hundred this past Sunday. I'm always a believer. You celebrate. You validate. I loved all the tweets. I love the flashback. I mean, that must have been as special and as great as it gets for you on a personal and a professional level. Yeah, you know, Adam, I've said that you work in this business and love the game like I do. You know, I work in this business. All my colleagues, we've, we've dedicated our lives not only to football, but to the profession of broadcasting the greatest sport on the planet. And I wish for everyone who works, whether it's sports media, media, or any form of entertainment, I wish that everyone could have a vehicle for their career that that is as much of a blessing for the individual and for the audience that consumes it as NFL Red Zone has been to me. It, it's, it's, a, it's a crazy job. It's a demanding job. It's an exhausting job. But I guess my skill set has married quite well with it. And fans tell me on a weekly basis that we have achieved the goal that we put out there in week one of 2009, our very first episode, and that is we hope we change the way you watch football. And people say that we've done that. It's very, very gratifying. Well, you have, and for me, I couldn't imagine life without it. And and really, Scott, and, you know, this is, you know, host to host here, you know, I can't imagine it without you because, you know, it's one thing to see all the scores. Your enthusiasm and your knowledge and you, your inflection and delivery and you got the quad box working and pay attention to this and hold on we got a flag i mean that's part of the cell and the beauty what is it like for you in the witching hour you've got four <laughs> games going down to the wire producers in your ear you're watching you're narrating how would you describe that for us you know, I, I say it's it's like I, I when I try to come up with a word picture for it, I say it's a little bit like surfing, believe it or not. And I'm not a surfer. I have surfed before, but I, but I'm not a surfer. But I just I just try to use what, what type of what type of meld is there between the action and us trying to control, manipulate. Uh, demonstrate the action that's going on in four, five, six, eight different stadiums yeah. and, and what the audience sees. And so I say surfing. Here's what I mean. The action is the wave, and the witching hour can be a tsunami. It can be one of those 35-foot monsters that comes towards the, towards the, the shore, right? Now, that could be a frightening thing. Meaning, if you don't know how to control it, if you don't know how to get on top of it, if you don't know how to ride it, if you're not fully sold out and committed, 
it'll crush you and you're going to be eating some coral, right? But <laughs> I love it. If, I love if you it. Use, if, if you use your skills and you get up on that sucker and you're right in the tube, as the surfers like to say, it, and, and it, the, the wave is coming and it's crashing and it ain't stopping, but you're on it and you're just slicing through it like a razor. The folks on the beach, the folks that are observing what's going on from a distance think it's amazing and it's unbelievable and it's beautiful. And, and now that might be hyperbole. That might be too much of a, a glorious analogy, but I kind of think it holds true because if, if I and our staff at NFL Red Zone, the best staff in sports television for my money, if we're not on our sharpest edge in those moments, we're going to get lost because the wave is coming. The wave is happening. The touchdowns are happening. The turnovers are happening. The jaw-dropping moments, the winning or losing plays are happening in real time. And we've got to be able to, to handle it and, and boom, boom, here, there, everywhere, and show it to the audience in a palatable, informative, and entertaining way. And, and every week it happens, and it's like, nope, it's a new wave, man. You, you, you can't rest on what you've done in 200 episodes in the past. It is about this moment right now. It's a rush, man. It oh, is a yeah. rush, and we, it is, we love doing it. It's, yeah. it's the ultimate rush, and I don't think that's hyperbole, Scott. I mean, I have the chills as you're describing it. I mean, it's, it's, the, <laughs> it's the best hour in, in, in television. When you, that window, when, when yep. you guys go, it's yep. ink. Where did you come up with the name Witching Hour? Yeah, well, and, and the other thing about the Witching Hour is it always delivers. Right? Always delivers. So if I've got eight games going on, I can't tell you which three or four are going to have the, oh, there is the play that just won the game or that just lost the game or it's coming down to the final seconds or someone's going to, you know, the clock management's going to be horrible and it's going to cost their team a win or a loss. But you're guaranteed that three or four of them will come down to the final second. And that's what makes it. I've called it the greatest hour in sports television, and I yeah. think that's that's accurate. You know, I mean, you could say maybe an amazing March Madness window might might come, you know, close to that. Or back in the day, if Tiger and Phil were on the back nine of a of a major head to head tied or one stroke apart, but but the NFL is still more popular than those things, and so. Um, yeah, it, and it always seems to deliver in a way that we haven't seen before, maybe with teams or coaches or players that we haven't seen do it one way or another. So it's so fun. Quickly on the witching hour. So I used to, in the first couple seasons, I was like, man, this hour, when we get to the end of the third quarter of these early window games, it's buckle your seatbelt. Oh, no yeah. one in the audience is getting up and going to the refrigerator for a snack. No one's going to use the restroom. They are staying right there because wins are becoming losses and losses are becoming wins right before our eyes. So I was like, well, it's about an hour long, right? End of the third quarter, all the way through the fourth quarter of the early window. And there, there are different people who like to claim that they came up with it. Obviously, the witching hour is just kind of a cliche, generic term for something that's like spooky, mysterious, wild, you know, <laughs> that, that type of thing. But Mike Francesa, you, you know him, the old That's my guy, yeah. radio sports radio host, he claims he used to call that the witching hour, the, 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 the last hour of the early window games back. I think he says he was calling it in the 90s that, okay? And maybe I had heard him say that. Maybe I hadn't. I, I don't necessarily know, but it's possible, okay? And then the guys from Barstool Sports, they had hit me up on social media a bunch of times, and it, I know they were saying, hey, we call this the witching hour. And I was like, oh, I'll call it the witching hour one time and see. And then I called it the witching hour once or twice, and now it's like people, if I don't say it, people get angry with me on social media for, you can call it the witching hour. You know? <laughs> so it's one of, those neat, one of those neat little, you know, subculture things within a show that, that everybody seems to love on NFL Red Zone. Oh, it's incredible. I mean, and the Bears and the and the Lions over this past weekend, that was a perfect example. I yep. mean, it wasn't necessarily a signature game. There are other games, more competitive, yep. crazy finishes, then bam, you know, wins become losses, losses become wins. Historic <laughs> in terms of what happened with Chicago and Detroit. Is there one episode? And the Raiders, to, Raiders, Jets, back Scott, to that play. That, the Jets that was, deep. that's why the red zone was invented. Right. I mean, you got right. all these finishes right. and these moments. And, and for you, that's about as good as it gets. Right. 
Yeah, 100%. 100%. Because Raiders-Jets, right? People thought that would be – if the Raiders had righted the ship from a bad loss two weeks ago to the Atlanta Falcons, people thought, okay, Derek Carr and the guys, they're going to go in there and handle business, and they'll be up double digits, running out the clock late in the fourth quarter. Oh, no. Not only weren't they up double digits, they weren't even up. And not only not only did they need a score at the end of the game, they needed a touchdown at the end of the game with no timeouts and a miracle-type setting. And then to have the layer of the Jets run the Trevor Lawrence defense mm-hmm. on back-to-back plays. Because Nelson Aguilar beat him deep on the play before, but Carr overthrew it. That could have been a touchdown, right? And then they do it again, and Ruggs burns them. And unless you were in Las Vegas or, or in the New York area and a certain footprint of the New York area with the Jets' you know, tele- local television – you weren't going to see that unless you were on NFL Red Zone, and not only did you see it, you saw it in real time as it happened. And trust me, we, we, were, we were losing our minds in the studio like everyone else around the country was losing their minds in their living room. Is there one episode of the 200 that stands out above the rest? We, I would say there's one witching hour that, that stands out above the rest, and even, even more uh, specific one sequence back in 2012 okay it was week six of 2012 we were in the witching hour we were coming down to the final seconds of all the games and there were three of them that were standing out with particular drama so we put it into a triple box we had the washington then redskins in in the bottom of the triple box we had the seattle seahawks in the upper right of the box and the Arizona Cardinals in the upper left-hand corner of the box. And if you don't mind, I'll relive it here for a moment. Please. But within about a 20-second span, 20 to 30 seconds, and this is, I think this is floating out there on YouTube and whatnot if people want to see the, the way it played out, uh, you know, back, back then in 2012. Within a span of about a 30 seconds, here's the way it went. Washington with the football at home at FedEx field with the lead and the ball. They just need a first down to ice the game, but a rookie quarterback by the name of Robert Griffin, the third breaks away on a design quarterback run, not only gets the first down to ice the game, but breaks away for a 76 yard touchdown run to ice the game. People were throwing things in the air at FedEx field, not only because they had won the game, but because they finally fought, we have our franchise quarterback. Remember, the number two pick in the draft, RG3, was the Heisman Trophy winner, the dual-threat nature of his game, and he had played a a couple of great games early in his rookie year, and this is almost midway through his rookie year. People thought we finally have our franchise quarterback. Five seconds after that has happened, and they're celebrating, in Seattle, at home, the Seahawks are down, and a rookie lesser-known quarterback by the name of Russell Wilson heaves up a desperation pass and Sidney Rice comes down with it to beat Tom Brady and the New England Patriots. And it's in Seattle. The 12s are going bananas, right? So we've got two home stadiums just losing it. Wow. Five seconds after that happened, upper left-hand corner of the triple box, Arizona with three seconds left to go on the clock. Jay Feely, the Cardinals kicker at the time, lines up what would be a game-winning kick, and I believe that game was in Arizona, hits the kick, stroked it. He had all the distance you would need, but it stoinks off the left upright, goes back onto the field of play, time expires, and we force overtime by that play right there, and everyone's losing their mind in that stadium over it. It happened, Adam, within a 30-second span of each other, and after we called it live on NFL Red Zone, we stood back, and it was like, it was like 2001, A Space Odyssey. Remember that old <laughs> yeah, of course, movie? Of course. It was like, it's full of stars. Like, they saw, they saw what it could be and the future and the infinite nature of it. And we, we were like, whoa. I, I think that moment in 2012 is the one that, that uh, out of the 200 episodes of NFL Red Zone really stands out to me. Boy, I'm glad I asked that question. It gave me the chills there once again. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a great response. A Sidney Rice reference. I mean, who knew? That, was, that was awesome. Yeah. I mean, I, and that I remember that game. Bro game. That was the That was the you yes. Bro game, right? When Richard Sherman went up to Brady afterwards, remember? Because 
Seattle was like the up and comer and whatnot, having to prove themselves. And, you know, Brady obviously doesn't do well with losing. And he walked off the, was walking off the field and Sherman went up to him and be like, tried to shake his hand. He's like, Oh, you mad, bro. You mad? That's yeah, right. That game. That, that was a classic scene. I remember that. Well, that, that's an unbelievable memory. Scott, a lot of people like to debate the perfect NFL schedule on a Sunday you know, I've always been yeah. of the opinion, I like a lot of games at 1 Eastern and then 3 okay. or 4 at, at 4 o'clock, and I'm watching Red Zone. But I also have the option, if I want to lock in on a great 425 game, I always had that opinion, then the Masters this year. And you had two <laughs> witching hours. And it was, yeah. oh, okay, here we go. If you yeah. had to design the perfect schedule for an NFL Sunday, what would it be and why? Well, I'm, I'm breaking out in a little bit of a sweat right here as I talk to you because I'm actually looking at this Sunday's schedule. We have seven games in the early window and six games in the late window. Because yep. we are through the buys. We yep. are now through the buys. Uh, you had the Bucks and uh, who was it? The Panthers, Panthers. I believe, yep. were on the Panthers. buys last week. And so we're, we're finished with all the buys. So everyone's playing all 32 are playing every single weekend from this point forward. And just by nature of the way they, they slid one game to the late window, it was going to be an eight, five split. And now it's a seven, six split. We're probably going to have a double witching hour as well. I think seven, five or eight, four when, when there's 12, when there's extra buys uh, and, and there's not as many games, I think seven, five, Eight four, I like that split, but I will I will readily embrace to the best we can a nice seven six spread like we've got coming up this weekend. Oh, that's going to be incredible! Now, I know how honest you are in life and as a broadcaster, and I believe you. Oh, I don't like me. I don't like the way this question's starting, <laughs> <laughs> Scott. I believe you when it comes to the bathroom. But I just don't <laughs> believe it. Listen, full disclosure, I, I need to go to the bathroom every 45 to 60 minutes. If I'm doing a remote okay. show pre-COVID, <laughs> I'll say to my producer, do, do you, we know where the bathroom is? Because I have to run to the bathroom. Commercial I breaks, I, I have to go to the bathroom. How the hell do you go through a show and you don't have to go to the bathroom? Well, Adam, look at all physiologies are peculiar and different and whatnot. And you know how the, you know how the Kenyan runners that the, the running community discovered sometime in the early turn of the century, I think that the Kenyan runners for, for some way, shape or form were built for the ultra marathons. Right, right. I, I guess that's the way that the Hanson family bladder works, because I'm telling you, <laughs> my hand to God, I I have taken one bathroom break in the last eight plus years. I do not go. And, and if, if but I realize there are people who don't believe me, like there. Oh, I don't believe it. Scott, Scott, understand. I don't, I don't, I don't believe it. I don't believe it. I don't believe it. I don't believe it. <laughs> Adam, do you, you have a standing invite. Once we get clear of the pandemic, you have a standing invite to come into the studio well, of course, I would invite you into the studio, and I would say you could stay for all seven hours, except you're going to be leaving every 45 minutes to an hour. <laughs> but, That's true. But, uh, you, can put a, you, can put a, you can put a lipstick cam, one of those little, you know, one of those little spy cams right, right. into the studio, and you will not see myself leave for seven straight hours. In fact, I, like, if you're really fascinated, I, I, like, it's even worse than that. I don't even leave. When I sign off and we roll the touchdown montage at the end of the show, every touchdown from every game on mm -hmm. NFL red zone. I, I don't even go to the bathroom. Then I can still get in my car. I'm not bursting at that point. Uh. I get in my car, come home and I can use, I can use the home home facility, have a home game if I need to, <laughs> as it were. So it's, I've just trained myself, you know, I've just trained myself. Now I'm not trying to be some kind of hero or beat my chest about it. I could, take a bathroom break. If I needed to, they would, they would let me take a couple of bathroom breaks, but here's why, Adam, I love the game so much. Yeah. I get into the zone so much. I am paranoid 
that the one time I would say, hey, guys, I'm going to go to the bathroom here. Give me three minutes. And I turn off my microphone and walk down the hall. My IFB, the earpiece, for those who don't know what that means, but my earpiece is wireless. So I would still hear all the action from the games. And I am paranoid that I would walk down the hallway, go and use the men's room, and I'd be in the men's room and I would hear, Lamar Jackson with the greatest (laughs) 99-yard touchdown run in NFL history. Oh, can you believe that? And I'm like, I'm not missing it. I ain't missing any given moment. And so if I can physically stay there and not damage myself, then I will. And I've got a pretty good streak going, and uh, and I, I intend to keep it going. Do you drink coffee? Do you drink water? I have four cups of coffee a day. I drink water nonstop, liters upon liters. I mean, you got to yep. hydrate, Scott. What what do you do? Yes, yes and no. I actually dehydrate. One, I'm not a coffee drinker. I, I don't like coffee. There was a mix-up when I was in fourth grade between my white styrofoam cup of hot chocolate and my teacher, Mrs. Rue's white styrofoam cup of black coffee. And I accidentally took a swig of that instead of my hot chocolate. And I was like, disgusted. I'm never drinking this in my life. <laughs> and that was in fourth grade. And I've never done it since. Okay, but that's wow. an aside. So I don't drink coffee. Don't drink coffee. I'm naturally energetic. And water, I will drink because you got to keep your, your whistle wet for broadcasting, except I cut off my liquids a couple hours before the show begins because – you know, I need an empty bladder or I, I, I want an empty bladder. So if I ever need, if my mouth ever feels dry because I'm talking so much or whatever, I might sip, tiny, tiny sip. I'll crack a bottle of water and at the end of the show, seven hours, only the top of the neck of the bottle of water has been consumed. Oh so, my goodness. Yeah, I just, yeah, man, that's the, that's the mystery. That's behind the curtain more than probably you or the audience wanted to hear but that's no true. this is i want to hear that the audience wants to hear that i think what you do on a, every sunday i i find it to be the most remarkable thing in, in all of of sports broadcasting i i mean that and and, and scott it's, it's crazy it's it's incredible and you know you think of sports broadcasting you know you're a syracuse guy i'm a syracuse guy yep. we went to the best yep, yep. communication school on on the planet the one difference though you played football, and you played yes. with Marvin Harrison. What was that yes, experience sir. like? Yeah, you know, it, it was it was incredible. I saw Marvin at uh, the Super Bowl last year uh, during uh, NFL Honors, right? He's now the illustrious Hall of Famer, Marvin Harrison. And Marvin's kind of a quiet, private guy. Like, him yep. and I aren't bosom buddies, but we always have that connection. And one kind of particular distinction, I guess, of my career, you got to understand, I was a walk-on, right? I was a scrub. I was, I was Rudy without the glorified sack in my senior year on the final home game, right? I used to get <laughs> pounded around in practice. I was on the scout team for four years, but I loved every minute of it because I loved the sport. I, I ate, drank, and breathed football back then, as, as I kind of do now. And so I was willing to be like, I'm going to be the best practice squad guy you've ever seen, right? Well, I was older than Marvin. So Marvin came in, a skinny, skinny, young, freshman wide receiver. And when I say skinny, we all remember him being skinny in the NFL. He was, he was bag of bones when he came to, to Syracuse, right? Not an ounce of body fat on him. Came out of, uh, I think it was uh, Archbishop Carroll, maybe, high school in Philadelphia. He Philadelphia, went to high school yeah. in Philadelphia. And... Um, Came in, and so he was a freshman, and he redshirted. We didn't know what, it, what an All-American talent he was going to turn into just, just yet, so they redshirted him in his freshman year, meaning he was on the scout team freshman year. Well, I was a senior, and I was still on the scout team, and they used to use me at every position they ever needed, defensive back, linebacker, wide receiver. Uh, I, I, like, if they needed me to do anything, I'm like, yeah, you need to run down on kickoff and get blown up by the wedge on the return team? I'm your guy. No problem. But there were plays in the scout team where Marvin Harrison would be the one wide receiver on the left side, and Scott Hansen would be the other scout team wide receiver on the right side. And oh, I love wow. bragging about that to this day because I was like, yeah, you know, I lined up with a Hall of Famer. You know, it was me and him. You know, we, we've caught several hundred <laughs> touchdowns, in, in, you know, between the two of us. So, yeah, I, I my – my experience with Syracuse football 
albeit with the struggles they're having right now, it still has been, you know, one of the great football programs over the course of a hundred plus years in, in, in the history of college football. Um, it, it was invaluable and is invaluable to me. The experience that I had on the inside of a big time football program, football team, when I deal with the pros, because there are certain insights that you can get from playing. I'm not saying everybody who knows everything about football is a former coach or player. I don't believe that at all, but I know I utilize things in my personal life and my professional life of the disciplines and the the hard work and the characteristics that were built in me through the Syracuse football program. And I'm forever thankful for that. Uh, It's awesome, Scott. And listen, you know, Rudy never hosted 200 episodes of the Red Zone. (laughs) So instead of Rudy, we'll give you hands in, hands in, hands in, hands in. Scott, you are the best, my friend. And I'll tell you, when you when you're on the television in the Shine House, our three kids they get so excited. Touchdown tour guide, Jolie Maya Theo. This is their favorite episode of the Adam Shine podcast. I mean, it, it's the rock star status that I'm talking to you in their eyes. Congratulations on the 200th episode. And I can't wait for the next 200. You're the best, my friend. And we appreciate the time. Adam, I appreciate it. Special shout out to your three beautiful kids. And, and this one's for them. Hey, gang, buckle up because the Octobox and the Witching Hour are all going to be wrapped up in seven hours of commercial-free football. See you, gang. Uh, That's about as good as it gets. Scott Hansen, host of the Red Zone. Your home for all things combat sports is Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156. Start your day with Hall of Fame Pro Wrestling Talk on Busted Open. All you need is a moment to get somebody over. Then the Barak Show keeps you updated on all things boxing. Let's not say that Canelo hasn't fought anybody with fighting guys on the way out. And Jimmy Smith has you covered for mixed martial arts. Do you want to look behind the curtain and see what these guys have to deal with for the amount of money they're making? The fight game broken down like nowhere else. Only on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156. Adam Shine, not telling you to wager on football, but here we go. Bob Stew, our senior executive producer of the Adam Shine podcast, with us once again. By the way, Bob went 10 of 5 picking games against the spread. He's 99, 87, and 6 on the season. I went 11 and 4 last week. Nice pick I had with the Chargers, by the way. They lost 45 nothing. But 11 and 4 last week. I'm 96, 90, and 6. So. Hope you're paying attention to these picks on the podcast, and then when we pick every game on a Football Friday on Shine On Sports on Mad Dog Sports Radio. Bob, as we tape at 1 o'clock on Wednesday afternoon, what do you have as the spread for the Bills-Steelers game? Oh, we're going Bills-Steelers right off the bat. I see what you're doing here. We're not messing around, Bob. Come on. There's a lot of great games this week, Adam, but I love how you just punched me in the face with probably the best one of the week. Right now... Buffalo is favored by two and a half points at home over Pittsburgh. Listen, I gave all my reasons to start the podcast why I'm picking the Buffalo Bills. Who are you going with in that one? Yeah, you know, the NFL is the ultimate what-have-you-done-for-me-lately league. Adam, the Steelers, though, are 11-1. and They're two-and-a-half-point underdogs against Buffalo. Look, I know Pittsburgh has looked awful these last couple weeks. Both weeks... They were a complete mess in terms of routine and schedule. Look, I've picked the Bills, I think, about 12 of the 13 weeks this season to cover, and I love Buffalo. I thought Josh Allen played great against the Niners. You mentioned in that awesome intro. The issue is, against an elite defense without John Brown, I think the Bills are going to have problems versus the Steelers, Adam. No Buzz Dupree, no Devin Bush. Oh, yeah, but they haven't had Devin Bush in weeks anyway. And Avery Williamson now. 20 points to Alex Smith on Monday. Yeah, but again, it's been a weird last couple weeks for the Steelers. This is the first real week of normalcy they've had in weeks. Also, I thought Avery Williamson played just fine filling in at linebacker. He's finally getting his feet wet in that defensive scheme. They've lost only one game all year. I wouldn't be surprised if Buffalo did eke out a one or two point victory, but I think the game's a toss up. That's why I love taking the points with Pittsburgh. I think Pittsburgh's going to end up losing three of its next four games. I could see them losing <laughs> Pittsburgh, losing to Buffalo, Indianapolis on Christmas weekend, and I could see them losing to the Cleveland Browns. Now, Cleveland, Baltimore. I can't wait for this game. That would be number two on my Mount Rushmore for week number 14. The primetime games loaded with 
AFC playoff implications, AFC North implications. By the way, if Buffalo beats Cleveland, excuse me, if Buffalo beats Pittsburgh like I expect them to do, I think Cleveland is going to be thinking about winning the division. If they could be Baltimore, they'll just be a game out. Remember, Cleveland and Pittsburgh will play in Week 17. What do you have right now as a spread for Baltimore and Cleveland? I have the spread at Baltimore. They've opened as a one-point favorite on the road in Cleveland, Adam. I give you credit. You've been all in on the Baltimore Ravens, and I thought that the game on Tuesday, it wasn't about Dallas being inept, and believe me, the Cowboys are. It was about Baltimore, shades of last year. Lamar was terrific. J.K. Dobbins was terrific. Calais Campbell, Patrick Queen, Marlon Humphrey, that defense, terrific. They got back to Ravens football. I'll tell you, right now as we sit here today, and don't hold me to this one. You can hold me when we pick it on all the games on, on Friday. I'm leaning on the Baltimore Ravens. I loved what I saw from Baker Mayfield. I thought that was gigantic. I didn't think Baker was capable of that in Tennessee. I, I love Cleveland. Believe in Cleveland. You know that. The audience knows that. Kevin Stefanski's at the top of the list for coach of the year. You know, I love what Cleveland has in the trenches, offensive line, defensive line, Miles Garrett, ability to run the ball. But, you know, Baltimore getting everyone back from the COVID list and Baltimore having the ability at the end of the day to play Ravens football. They've had some weird losses this year. The New England game, the Tennessee game. They were beating Pittsburgh by double digits earlier in the year at home and Lamar just kept turning it over. I think that Baltimore can find a way to win this game. Yeah, you mentioned a couple of those games. I mean, the Patriots game did end in a monsoon, so I don't really criticize Baltimore as much for that game. The Tennessee game, they had the lead, and they lost it late. It was a great game. They ended up losing. It was a close one. Derrick Henry had an unbelievable run. Baltimore was still in those games. It's not like they got just blown out of both of them. I, I Look, I don't really care that Cleveland beat Tennessee either. Yeah, yeah, I can hear people saying, oh, Bob, you called the Browns frauds. Oh, look at that, look at that. You did. Yeah, I did. You know what I was wrong about? Not Cleveland, I was wrong about Tennessee. I mean, Tennessee defensively is atrocious. So, you know, that first half result was shocking. There's just a bit of fool's gold with the Titans. Look, the Browns lost to the Ravens by more than 30 points week one. I'm curious to see if they've learned from that game and can actually compete with Baltimore. I just think you're going to see the same issues crop up. I think Lamar's going to have a great monster game in the passing game. I think he's going to be able to run the ball, no problem. I love the Ravens. I thought they played great against the Cowboys. I think they're going to be Cleveland by double digits. Wow, double digits. Well, you really hate Cleveland. My goodness. They're straight. The schedule's the worst in the NFL. It's hysterical. They've played nobody. They've only beaten Tennessee. You only beat who's on the schedule. They're strong in the trenches. My God, I didn't realize how... You hate LeBron. You hate (laughs) the Indians. I love LeBron. You hate the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I mean, my goodness. you, You despise Cleveland. All right, how about... What do you got for the spread on the Raiders Colts game well right now the Colts they're favored by three points on the road in Las Vegas you know if it wasn't for the single most arrogant ignorant defensive call in the history of the NFL with Greg Williams (laughs) that would have been a, a wretched unfathomable can't make it up consecutive loss for the Raiders you know I said playoffs for the Raiders preseason felt great about playoffs even after that loss against Kansas City at home Because, of course, they'll beat Atlanta. Of course, they'll beat the Jets. They get destroyed against Atlanta. Should have lost against the Jets if it wasn't for Greg Williams, who deservedly got fired. Listen, I still think Derek Carr is playing great ball. Waller was outstanding against the Jets. This Raider defense is porous. And Indianapolis is tough. That is a tough team. Love DeForest Buckner. Love Darius Leonard. Jonathan Taylor finally did what I expected him to do when they drafted him. T.Y. Hilton back from the dead. I'm going to roll here with the Indianapolis Colts. Yeah, you mentioned the most arrogant play call. I think it's sad that as a Jets fan... I can admit the loss against the Raiders was the best moment I've had in years as a Jets fan. Probably since Ryan Fitzpatrick and Eric Decker beat the Patriots in overtime. I'd argue the Ruggs Hail Mary 
was a top three moment for Jets fans the past 10 years. I mean, I went ballistic. I thought you put it great in the monologue on Monday. It had like a Super Bowl atmosphere, that That's Raiders right. Jets game. That's right. That ending, it felt like the Super Bowl. I went ballistic. We my were going takeaway, nuts in my house. So my buddy Stone is texting me. You're texting me. All the Jets fans. Listen, it's great for the Jets because they need Trevor Lawrence. But, you know, from a Raiders standpoint, I mean, it doesn't mean I have to look into the crystal ball and feel good about anything. Yeah, that's my biggest takeaway from the game, too, Adam. The Raiders have major issues. I mean, the biggest play of the game, arguably, was when Frank Gore left injured because then the Jets ran Ty Johnson and Josh freaking Adams for 190 total yards in the running game. <laughs> Good job by the Jets realizing week 13, running behind Mekhi Becton, that's a winning formula. I mean, come on. The Raiders, they couldn't even stop Darnold. Darnold looked like he did last year. They couldn't stop the running game. That bodes very poorly for the Raiders against the Colts, who have a very good offensive line. I expect the Colts, Adam, to win the game by double digits also. All right. What is your fourth game? On the Mount Rushmore. I think the top three are easy. Bills, Steelers, Cleveland, Baltimore, Raiders, Colts. I'll give you the grouping and then I'll give you my answer. Giants, Cardinals, New Orleans, Philly because of the Hurts dynamic. Washington, (laughs) San Francisco. Wow. Minnesota, Tampa Bay. There's some great games this weekend. (laughs) I don't have any of those. Kansas City, Miami. Yes. I have Kansas City-Miami, Adam. That's the game that I would say in terms of the Mount Rushmore. That's the game I'm most intrigued to watch. I mean, look, I try not to drop the F word in this podcast, but the Dolphins to me are frauds, Adam. Like, they're they're frauds. I want to see the Dolphins play great football. If they win this game, I will shut up forever about the Dolphins. Bah, bah, I will bah, shut bah. Up. But they're going to lose against Kansas City. It doesn't mean that they're frauds. Everyone loses against Kansas City. I gave those incredible numbers on Shine on Sports on on Wednesday. You know, this this defense plays a ton of man-to-man for Miami. They're the best in the business at doing it. Patrick Mahomes shreds great (laughs) man-to-man defense. To me, it's more about the offense, Adam. I'm not saying the Dolphins' defense are frauds. They're, look, Dolphins' defense are great. The Dolphins have the best special teams in football. That's not arguable. I don't think Tua's the right guy right now. I think Fitzpatrick is better. If the Dolphins want to make the playoffs, they would play him instead of Tua. And I already mentioned the Browns' strength of schedule. Guess who else is tied for last in strength of schedule? It's the Dolphins. They both have the exact strength of schedule. Hysterical .445. They have both barely played anybody if the Dolphins do beat the Chiefs, though, Adam, I will shut up forever. I'll never call them frauds, even if they can stay in the game. I don't even expect them to cover this spread. I love Kansas City with the seven in this game. So, I love Kansas City as well, and I don't think Miami's fraud. And I love Brian Flores. <laughs> I checked my checked my watch. It's, it's two a time. Listen, we've been calling for Jalen Hurts. You hear it on the radio, on television every day. We've talked about it on the podcast forever. After the Eagles lost to the Giants, I said Carson Wentz is is shot and he needs a break. You heard Boomer last week on the podcast say he needs a therapist and, and Wentz. I still think he could play down the road, but he can't play again this year. I'm a big Jalen Hurts believer. That's a tough spot against the New Orleans Saints and the New Orleans defense. I do think Philly has a chance because of Hurts to hang in this one. You know, Taysom Hill usually doesn't blow anybody out. I'll tell you my fourth game on the Mount Rushmore because of how intriguing it is, Giants-Cardinals. This game is loaded with playoff implications. Giants, to me, had the most impressively stunning win of the entire season going on the road with Colt McCoy and beating Seattle. Joe Judge deserves a lot of credit. The defense was flying around. I thought the assistant coaches, Garrett on on offense, Patrick Graham on defense, did a heck of a job. Listen, Kyler Murray is clearly not 100%. The Cardinals have tumbled. You know, this is the fourth year on Shine on Sports where I've picked a Cinderella team in March. In the first three years, the team has made the playoffs. It's a, a guarantee. Jacksonville in 2017, the Bears in 2018, the Bills in 2019, My pick in March was the Arizona Cardinals, and we have been light years ahead of the curve. Bob, I still think Arizona can win this game and cover, but it's no longer an automatic when you're going up against the Giants who are rightly thinking about winning a division. Yeah, at least the Cardinals aren't going to be shocked with the Giants coming in after they beat Seattle. That was a wake-up call for Arizona. It's like, here we go. The Giants' defense has been exceptional the past month. 
The sad thing is, Adam, it's just clear Kyler Murray's not 100%. He's yeah. not running the ball anymore. I mean, that's that was the winning formula for Arizona early in the year. Nobody could stop Kyler Murray. Nobody. If he can't run the football, oh, man, Arizona has a lot of question marks going to that game, Adam. I want to believe in the Cardinals. I think I'm going to wait till Friday to make my official pick for that game. Oh, okay. Bob wants to look at the old injury report. Some fantasy football advice next. Hey, everybody, this is Fran Freshella, host of the podcast World of Basketball. The game of basketball has truly become a global game. Markovic fires it into Mickey, and somehow it goes in. Each week, I talk with the players, coaches, and executives who have led the way in growing the game of basketball around the world. Real Madrid have stolen victory from the jaws of defeat. Episodes are available every Thursday on the SiriusXM app, Pandora, and Apple Podcasts. Adam Shine, fantasy football legend. Had my worst week of the season last week. Really disappointed. 107 points. I changed my lineup from what I had for DraftKings on Time to Shine. I took Justin Jefferson out. I took Bob Woods out. Derrick Henry really just killed me at the end of the day. That, that was it. I fell from fourth place overall to eighth place overall. A disaster, an absolute disaster of of a week last week. I was just so disappointed in myself. So I I got to bounce back this week, and we need to find the right stacks, the right matchups. You know, it's an interesting week in terms of possibilities. You know, Mahomes is eight thousand one hundred. Now Miami's got a great defense, but. Listen, at the end of the day, you know, against man coverage, we reference this in the pick segment, 15 touchdowns, zero interceptions. I think he's an intriguing play. I think that the Sean Watson going up against Chicago, remember the Bears never interviewed him. Remember when Mahomes was counting, you know, to 10 in terms of what pick he went, you know, when the Bears obviously took Trubisky, so... I could see Watson having a monster game. I think Justin Herberts against the Atlanta Ugh. defense. I know. I Ugh. know. I I think playing a lot of Titans this week, Bob, make a lot of yes. sense. Ryan Tannehill, A.J. Brown, and Derrick Henry. I might stack all of them. I'll give you one other that has crossed my mind matchup-wise. How about Taysom Hill and Michael Thomas? Uh, I don't know. I'm not really on the Taysom Hill train. I know how good he's been in fantasy the past few weeks. I'm just not really on the Taysom Hill train. They should really just crown us kings of the Justin Herbert fan club. I feel like we love him every week. He's always cheap. He throws a lot. After what happened with the Patriots, Adam, I can't take Justin Herbert again. I mean, right. getting and, shut I haven't, out, and I haven't endorsed oh. him the last two weeks. I know you I loved have. him. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I can't believe you started Justin Herbert last week. My, makes me feel better about things. Yeah, that was, uh, wow. Bill Belichick against rookie quarterbacks, Adam. It's like a formula that stands the test of time. I love Tannehill against Jacksonville, Adam. Yeah. I think that would be a great play. Pairing him up with Corey Davis. Corey Davis is only 5,700. He's been on fire. We told you to play him last week. 182 yards, a touchdown. Unreal. The other quarterback I would like if you're going to stack, I like Russell Wilson. And I know what happened against the Giants. I know. But the Jets' pass defense is so terrible. You can stack him with DK Metcalf. I think those would be the two stacks I would be looking for, Adam. Play a lot of Seahawks. Play a lot of Titans versus Jacksonville this week. And Metcalf is 8400 That's mm-hmm. That's a little pricey. I'll tell you, even looking at running backs, you know, that, that Tennessee and Jacksonville game, very intriguing. Henry killed me, but he's going up against Jacksonville this week. I think he'll have a monster game. James Robinson, that, that Tennessee defense is really just not very good. You know, I'm always nervous about starting a Bears running back because, you know, Matt Nagy doesn't know what the hell he's doing. Everybody runs wild against the Houston Texans and, and that defense. So that could be intriguing. So there are some interesting options and if I have guts, I'd start Jonathan Taylor, who you know yes. I loved all year long. You know, going against Las Vegas, I think mm-hmm. that's a really solid play. 
I mean, 5,700, and this is the week you play Jonathan Taylor. The Raiders were run all over by Ty Johnson and Josh Adams. We talked about it. No, not Calvin Johnson and Devontae Adams, not Chris Johnson or Jamal Adams. Ty Johnson and Josh Adams, 190 rushing yards combined against the Raiders. Taylor looked healthy versus Houston. I expect huge things. I agree with you. I love the Tennessee-Jacksonville game. For a deep sleeper, I love Colin Johnson. He's the rookie out of Texas. Mike Glennon has loved him these past two weeks. 96 yards and a touchdown versus Cleveland. 66 yards last week. Adam, Tennessee can't cover anybody. He's only 3,600. He gives you a ton of flexibility in your lineup for that price. I think he would be a great play this week, too. Oh, that's an interesting one. So that's 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 also a potential interesting stack in terms of different ways to go about it. You know, do you believe in the Andy Dalton revenge game? Absolutely is it, not. Is that is that a remote no. possibility? I love how you just say absolutely not. No chance. No. Ter- because some of these some of these cowboys are actually priced pretty well. Mm-hmm. You know, finding the sleeper receiver this week is not going to be easy. But I'll give you a couple that I like that are a little bit cheaper. You know, Michael Pittman at five thousand, Cole okay. Beasley at five thousand. You know, how about Jerry Judy this week at four thousand seven hundred going up against Carolina? I love all those plays, Adam. I think, I think those are all great plays. It gives you a ton of flexibility. I mean, there are a lot of great cheap plays this week. Like if you're looking at tight end, I like Logan Thomas at thirty three hundred. He's yeah. with Washington. Go to touchdown the last two games. Alex Smith loves them. I also like for defense, Washington's defense against San Francisco, Adam. They're cheap. There's also one defense I don't love this week, but that's what I got for DraftKings this week. All right. We'll put a nice big fat happy red bow on this outstanding edition of the Adam Schein Podcast after this. Thank you for listening to another incredible episode of the Adam Schein Podcast. Jim Beheim, absolutely incredible. Bob Stew, sensational. Mikey Fitz, just a breath of fresh air. Thanks to our listeners on Sirius XM on demand, our listeners on Pandora, listeners on Apple and with Stitcher. Please hit the subscribe button, leave a review because you love the Adam Shine podcast and we love you. You can catch me every weekday on my Sirius XM radio show, Shine on Sports, which airs, of course, 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM, Man Dog Sports Radio, Channel 82. Thanks for listening. Talk to you soon. This is the Adam Shine podcast. For more from Adam Shine, listen to Shine on Sports on Mad Dog Sports Radio, 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM Mad Dog Sports Radio, Channel 82. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.